This is Other Voices, and I'm Marcello Yaya, the co-publisher of the Altamont Enterprise, and I thought it would be a good idea to turn the microphone on the host. Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, has been recognized among the best opinion writers in the weekly press. This is her 10th time being named among the Golden Dozen. These are awards announced by the International Society of Weekly Newspaper Editors. In the Society's annual contest, opinion writers are judged for their editorial skills and courage, with the best of the top dozen winning the Golden Quill Award, which Melissa won in 2008. Marcello, my co-publisher, talked me into doing a podcast, and I thought it would be best if I started... I was trying to decide who I am, and I looked to a loose-leaf notebook I keep of poems. I used to write a poem every single week that kind of crystallized an experience, usually from the newspaper, and I just thought I'd start by reading this because... It involves Marcello. He was a young reporter who came to the Enterprise. I don't know, was it how many years ago was it? Six. Six. No. We've owned the paper for five, seven years ago. And he used to stand outside my office door as I was editing his stories. And the first three, four words are a quote. The poem's called Editing. I hear you read. My pen is poised above the page to mark in red what needs to change. My charge is clear, and line by line to truth I'm wed. The words are yours that I'm to read. You wait, so calm, so still, so mute. Some reporters pace and fume. Editor plays the part of brute. I mean to nurture as I edit. What you hear is a moving hand, a hand unused to strike a blow, except with words it can't command. What you can't hear are inner shrieks, inner questions that gnaw deep, that show and marks upon a page that form a bond of trust to keep. So I wanted to ask to start out, why are you so opinionated? Why are you so outspoken? Or why are editorials so important to you? I think of editorials as the soul of the newspaper. Um, Over the many years I've been editor, we've had just superb reporters who are the heart of the newspaper. They um, find out things and write about things that are important. And I see the role of an editorial um, as moving things forward based on the work of the reporters. Um, The editorial that um, I won for this time um, was based on a story written by Elizabeth Floyd Mayer, who had been our Gilderland reporter. And unfortunately for us, but good for her, moved on to another job. And um, the editorial is called Ignoring Child Victims is Easy, Absorbing Truth is Hard. And this was based on a story Elizabeth wrote about a very popular, even beloved uh, teacher at Linwood Elementary School, Todd Mell, who had um, 
been accused and f- pleaded guilty um, to endangering the welfare of a child. And Elizabeth went to the trouble of getting all the many letters sent to the judge, asking for a lesser sentence than he had agreed to. And that prompted the family and this girl to come forward and tell this really heartfelt story about how painful this experience had been for her and how it had shaped her young life. And now to have people like school board members and teachers writing letters saying it was a travesty of justice was being re-victimized. And so I was able to... um, draw on that work um, and to look back at the long history in the Gilderland schools. And I think it's typical everywhere. It's just I happen to have covered the Gilderland schools for decades of times when children were abused and the immediate response of teachers was to rally around the accused as if it hadn't happened when really the first duty of a school board member or a teacher should be to protect the children. And... Um, I hope that that editorial had awakened people's thoughts about um, what it's like to be a victim and to be re-victimized and to um, realign their thinking. Okay. I'm going to ask the question again. Why is editorial writing so important to you? Do we need a short answer? doesn't have to have any limit. Okay, because I thought I answered it in um, (laughs) my usual roundabout way. I think editorial writing is important to me because it can draw on truth to move people forward. I try to write editorials in a way that aren't just strict condemnation. I try to offer a solution. I try to offer a way forward. I try to offer insight so that it's not necessarily a negative experience. It's easy to write a quick put down in an editorial. It's harder to try to understand all sides and build a coalition that will move people forward. Yeah, I I like when editorials and you know yours especially yours may not be like typical of editorial writing across the board, but I like it when they take more of an explanatory tact. And um, you did that that in this editorial, and it, it, both from the perspective of how a story is put together and why we make decisions, like. Um, getting into the victim's impact statement in that case, and and also just explaining how the parts of a story work together. When a reporter is writing an article, it is very much like a report, and in an editorial, you are able to be more explanatory. Um, yes, and I write news stories too every week, so I am very aware when I'm writing news stories of getting all sides, being objective, being fair-minded. And I saved my opinion um, when I was the Hilltown Reporter for years. I used to have a, a column I wrote, uh, Hilltown Reporter's Notebook, so that I could opine in a separate venue. Because I think it's really important, and a lot of general readers don't understand the distinction. But to me, it's an essential one in a newspaper to have the writing from reporters be objective and um, as fair-minded as we can make it, um, 
we all have prejudices. We have to recognize what they are and work very hard to get viewpoints um, from other sides. Um, I face that myself when I write. Um, I was once writing about a sex offender who had nowhere to go and attempted suicide. And I realized I was prejudiced against a sex offender, just the idea of it, and went to great lengths into a locked ward at Ellis Hospital to be able to talk to him and hear his side of the story. And I think, you know, when I'm writing news, I do that. When I'm writing opinion, I also try to see all sides, but I try to pick out a path that I think is the right one. As you said, readers are sometimes confused or not understanding the difference between an editorial or a column or a letter to the editor. So I wanted to ask you, what is the nature or difference of an editorial? Well, um, an editorial is the newspaper's opinion, and um, a news story is, and of course this has changed over the centuries when papers were founded in this country. They were advocates for certain causes, most notably the revolution that formed our country. And over the years it evolved, kind of, I think, reaching its apex with Lippmann, where the Who is I- Lippmann? He is um, someone who shaped modern journalism by writing insightfully about it and um, is kind of a beacon for me. That's Walter Lippmann. Yes. In these changing times, we have moved a lot closer to the advocacy form of journalism with people listening to a news source that they feel comfortable with so that you have, for instance, Fox News at one side of the spectrum and I don't know, what's at the other side, Marcello? I don't know, but how is it different from an editorial writing advocating for something? I... For the Altamont Enterprise, I tried to have our news pages be objective and not be taking a view of one side or another. And the opinion pages, where we are grateful to have so many people that write to us with their own opinions, which I consider a very important part of our newspaper. We check the facts. We let them have their own opinions borrowing from Daniel Patrick Moynihan's idea that everyone's entitled to their own opinions but not their own facts. We try to rely on, you know, checking them so people can have what they want to say without bending what's true. And every week we spend a lot of time on that, and we lay them out on separate pages, and we label the pages clearly, and we hope that people understand the difference. And I think the dialogue on our pages is wonderful. We have people who are leaders, school superintendents, and um, town leaders, mayors writing us. And we even like the ones that are critical. We had a very critical letter this week from the Altamont mayor because it shows that it's a forum that matters. It shows that people are reading what we write, and it matters, and they're giving their views on it. And that is the way, especially in a society like we have today in the United States that has become so 
partisan and so split to have a common meeting ground where people can exchange their views and ideas with the hope of understanding uh, the other viewpoints. What do you mean when you say the news coverage is objective? If you're saying the newspaper you know, has the editorial, which is not... Objective, um, meaning it isn't partisan, meaning it is um, trying to find the truth. That's the motto <laughs> that our paper has had. Uh, for decades, we seek the truth and print it, trying to find out as best we can what the truth is. Okay. Um, you know, you have a lot of these strongly worded confrontational editorials. Um, can you just talk about any personal fallout that this produces? You know, does this come up in your personal life in any way? Yes, it comes up in my personal life all the time. <laughs> the enterprise sort of is my life. Um, back in the days when I used to go grocery shopping, <laughs> I would be accosted in the aisles many times. It would be met at the post office. I would be, you know, people challenge your ideas and want to talk about them, and I think that's great. It's one of the things I like about a weekly newspaper. They can People can come in and bang their fists on your desk and talk to you, and it's one of the things I miss during the coronavirus isolation is, you know, not hearing the feedback on, I mean, we get them in letters. We get a lot of letters, so that's good, but I mean, the personal interaction just, you know, is shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk about your um, your biography, your development. How did you actually come into journalism in in a long term sense? You know, I know, and I think other people know you. Your father was a journalist, and yeah, um, I grew up with conversations around the dinner table about journalism. My father was passionate about his work. Um, my parents together bought the Lake Placid News late in my <laughs> living at home. I was in college, but I, that was my first job out of college. I, of course, worked on my high school newspaper, the Journal at Gilderland High School, and my college newspaper, the Wellesley News. I went to a college that was liberal arts and didn't have journalism, which was wonderful for me because I am sustained with almost every editorial I write, uh, with things that I learned through my liberal arts education. But I cross-registered cross to take journalism courses at MIT, um, which was nearby. And um, I really think you can learn journalism by reading and by doing it, um, rather than having a degree in journalism. What did you read at that age? Which age? I guess teens to sort of as you were becoming an adult as you were forming teens through college years well um what did you admire shakespeare is was my go-to <laughs> so my dissertation was on i um love shakespearean plays and i read widely in american literature um mark twain is a favorite um, Emily Dickinson is a favorite. Um, Robert Lowell. I was fortunate to be able to go to Robert Lowell's office hours. He kept 
uh, to kind of advise young poets, and I was able, through Frank Bedart, to to do that. I was lucky to study under um, Robert Pinsky, who later became the Poet Laureate um, for the United States, and just learned a lot about words and use of words um, from those two poets, Frank Bedart and Robert Pinsky which you might think doesn't have much to do with news. <laughs> but really, poetry is a different way of getting at truth. And my daughter, Saranac, is telling me I should write my editorials more like my poems all the time because um, they're shorter and more pointed. Um, and in fact, I laughed at what the judge said um, <laughs> when I was awarded this year's um, Golden Dozen from the International Society of Weekly Newspaper Editors, he wrote, this entry is far too long for an editorial. And yet, I'm not sure it could have been told as well in shorter form. It details a long hidden story of sexual abuse, etc., etc. So I know um, frequently people tell me, you know, the editorial page... <laughs> It's what they read in the paper, but it's not a typical uh, editorial because of its length. But what about um, nonfiction, like what newspapers or magazines or things along those lines did you read? Um, I've been a lifelong reader of The New Yorker ever since I was maybe 10 or 12, and I continue to read that through those youthful years. Um, there was something I read regularly that doesn't exist anymore. It was called the National Observer, and it uh, put together kind of the week's news in a way that was insightful and, and good to read. Um, it was my college days were before there was online, so um, you know you had to be able to afford a subscription. So <laughs> I didn't. Now, of course, like everyone else, I have a subscription to the New York Times, but then I would only be able to read it in the library. Um, trying to think of other publications I read regularly. They were more scholarly, I guess, than general news. Um, I loved, as a kid, I loved Life magazine. Um, It had more to do with its layout and pictures, I think, uh, although I read it as well. It was just this large format magazine with these pictures that I can still see some of them in my mind's eye. It was a way of capturing news visually, uh, that really had resonance. Did you tell me once that the National Observer sort of influenced the the sensibility or the style of your editorial writing, that you like that specifically for its opinion writing? I don't remember saying that. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um... How did you get into journalism was my original question, you know, beyond the fact that well, my you father, had it, it was really my father. I um But I mean as a I, career, you originally wanted to be a poet. Um I've it's there's not like a simple answer for how one's life unfolds. I'm just trying to think back. I mean, really it I always wanted to write and I would come to my father late at night because he'd be up late at night like I was writing, and he had this thick black copy pencil, and he'd slash, slash, slash. And it was painful, but I thought I was learning and getting better. And writing, to me, is just a way to not just 
to express myself, but to reach other people. And I think all through you know, high school and college, journalism was a part of who I was. And then when I graduated, my parents had just bought this weekly and I missed them, <laughs> wanted to be part of their new life. And I also was um, not quite sure of my next step. I'd been accepted into several graduate programs um, for a PhD in English literature. And um was very much in love with a young man who had left Harvard and gone across the country to go back home to Oregon and um, was kind of like in a figuring out pattern, I guess. And I um, plunged into weekly journalism at my parents' paper, um, the Lake Placid News. And Gary, who became my husband, eventually came across the country on a train, <laughs> sleeping there overnight, and um, worked for my parents' um, paper, too. We shared a double desk. Uh, hard to imagine that we were able to write as we looked at each other, but we did. And um, I still had this idea of teaching literature, so left and went to the University of Buffalo, which had a great program at the time. Um, in English literature. Um, and then after we married, um, Gary was sent to cover Albany, and I came here to be with him, of course, and we had uh, one young child then and another on the way, and I thought it would be nice while I was just, you know, around my children. <laughs> I stupidly thought a weekly newspaper would be somehow less demanding. I don't know. Um, and I'd be able to spend more time with my children and ended up working for the Altamont Enterprise under Jim Gardner for decades and just brought my children with me a lot. <laughs> Worked very long hours. Um, eventually, you know, became the editor and ended up buying the paper with you to keep it keep it going forward. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I, I mentioned the explanatory nature of your editorials. Um, over time, since you've been at the Enterprise for so long, would you say that it seems that the understanding of readers or the public has changed in terms of what we do? I have no way of knowing. Um, I th I like to think we've changed some things. Um, I know over 30 years ago when I first thought it was important to cover suicide, we got a lot of backlash and people thinking we shouldn't be writing about it. The other news media didn't. And I thought it shouldn't be treated differently than any other really disease, mental health issue, um, and trying, you know, over the years to do those stories in a sensitive way when the families were interested in letting people know who, who the person was who had died and um, the value of that person's life. And I felt like in some ways it had really opened up a discussion so that... Um, 
more recently when school districts have had to deal with suicides that have been more open and um I mean, there's certain topics like that that I feel our newspaper may have made a real difference. I mean, some things you can see, they're concrete. Like one of my favorite examples is when the Burnox-Westerlo track funding ran out and the project wasn't finished and I editorialized on it and one of our readers had a bulldozer and he organized people to get out and finish the track. And you can see like a a clear, actual accomplishment from what your words have done. But other things, you just don't know. It's amorphous. Um, You're sending out your message and hoping over the years it influences people, but there's no measurable way. I know you and I have a lot of debate and discussion because things can be measured on the website and, you know, clicks of people reading and knowing those things, but there are other things that are just, I think, unmeasurable. Yes. In your editorial, that is the subject of this award, um, you go through the many years uh, just within the Gilderland School District of, of similar cases where the initial reaction to a teacher or some other some person on the school staff, um, you know, being accused of something inappropriate or sexual in nature um, is disbelief uh, by the public and by school administrators. Um, you know, they kind of immediately defend the person who's been accused. And that's also, in a way, a theme of the Me Too movement, which you mentioned in the editorial. And I think within the context of the last few years, some people might argue that the Me Too movement represents uh, progress, a move forward, a shift in society relating to those kinds of situations. But in the editorial, going through those many situations just within the Gilderland School District, one is almost left with the impression that that's not the case. Would, I mean, can you just like take a long arc view of local stories and do you think that things have changed at all just in terms of the public uh, reaction and perception of those cases well we've certainly covered a lot of cases of abuse over the years um i when i started there was a sense that like domestic violence was a family matter, um, which, of course, fortunately has changed um, legally. <laughs> um, you know, a, a victim, when she calls, the police now can't say, oh, I fell down the stairs. Um, you know, police have to follow through, which is a good thing. But we did a story even with... Um, a young a teenager who said she was repeatedly sodomized by her father and um, because of it was a wonderful reporter we had at the time Nicole Faybar because of her stories and our editorials she did get a grand jury hearing um, there had been a sense and I I think the Me Too movement was long overdue, but I think also the point in the editorial was 
one of the letter writers, a, a school board member, had compared it to uh, the Tawana Brawley and the Duke lacrosse team, those cases. And that was very, very different because um, it hadn't been through the legal system, those cases. Um, with Brawley, uh, when it got to the legal system, they found that she may have created the attack herself. And with the um, North Carolina Attorney General dropping the Duke case, uh, it was because they were innocent. Whereas in this case, with Todd Mell, he had pleaded guilty. So he had been investigated by Gilderland police. And as the attorney general's office told us, the police had probable cause to arrest him based on the reported contact, and he pleaded guilty. So after going through that legal process to then have people say, this is a travesty of justice, he didn't do it, it's the Me Too movement overreaction, is entirely different. Okay. I remember um, uh, Jean Forty coming into our newsroom, and as she was waiting to speak with you, uh, said to me she, she's amazed every week that there's an editorial sort of saying, how does she come up with it? Um, so I just thought I'd ask you, what is your process? How do you manage to write about something every week? Well, <laughs> I consider it a privilege to be able to write about something every week. And sometimes I have too many ideas and I have to pick one. Other times, it all depends on what's happening in terms of what we're covering as a newspaper. Um, and I try not to do editorials on topics that are largely editorialized on. We're local, and I try to make sure it has a local root. Um, I certainly have a lot of opinions on state and national issues, <laughs> um, but I've tried to always root it in something that is it has a, a local application. Um, I don't have a specific method for coming up with the ideas. Um, I didn't know Jean Forty had asked that. She's somebody I certainly admire and miss her. She was such an energetic, community-oriented person. And I really try in the editorials, Not, I, I dislike it when readers, and it's a common comment, not just our readers, but everywhere, um, can't you do a positive story? <laughs> I don't think there's positive or negative. I think there's just news, and you do it as fairly as you can. And with the editorials, again, I don't try to be positive or negative, but I try to further understanding and, when I can, to come up with a solution or a clear course of action that would improve whatever it is I'm writing about. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I would like to say that I'm very grateful to our readers. I've always been grateful to our readers. We always have them in the front of our mind when we write our stories, when we write our editorials. But since the coronavirus and the shutdown and the lack of advertising, I have been moved to tears just reading the things people have written us. And sending money when they don't have much themselves. Because they value not just the kind of reporting that we do, but the forum that we provide. So that in a time when the country is so divided, people can come together 
and work to make a better community. And it's not always pleasant. You can certainly tell when you get angry letters about stories we've written, which we do, that it's a painful process to reveal the truth. It's a painful process to let people see themselves. When I speak in classrooms and I ask, what tools do you use? I metaphorically say a mirror and a torch because we hold up a mirror for people to see who they are and we shine a light in places that might otherwise not be seen. And I am just so grateful that we have people that care about that and are willing to support us.